honestly, 99% of diseases are correlated to thyroid, estrogen, prolactin, serotonin, cortisol. They all drive disease in some way or another, and they're, they're, they're not localized. They're all over. So to ignore them in any disease is quite crazy. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Superwoman Wellness. I'm Dr. Taz. I've made it my mission throughout my career in integrative medicine to support women in restoring their health using a blend of Eastern medical wisdom with modern science. In this show, I will guide you through different practices to find your power type and fully embody the healthiest and most passionate version of you. I'm here for you and I can't wait to get started. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Superwoman Wellness, where, you know, I'm determined to bring you back to your superpower self. And we've spent a lot of time talking hormones, right? A lot of you ask me those questions. You're confused. Somebody new is saying something every day. Well, guess what? We've got another hormone expert on tap for you today. Please welcome Alana Slingsby. She is the founder of Moment. It's a femtech startup focused on testing and treating hormone imbalances with a whole person approach from the comfort of your own home. All right. Welcome to the show, Alana. It's been so great chit-chatting with you before we even jumped into this. And I've got to be honest, like this hormone thing, um, I was telling you, I just turned in my first draft of a hormone book that I'm writing. And really the inspiration behind that was because everyone's confused and being told different information. My own story is about hormones getting misdiagnosed. I've got PCOS and you know, had to go on this whole journey to figure it out, which actually led to me being an integrative medicine. So it was a gift. Mm-hmm. We don't want everyone going on a 12 year journey to figure out their health issues. So what got you into the world of hormones and tell us a little bit about moment. Yeah. And thank you for having me here. I'm so excited, but um, yeah, so I kind of got into hormones for a personal story, I guess, you know, like you're saying it kind of like the personal, some, oh. some things are just meant for you, but I kind of have an interesting story because it was my mom that was deeply affected by a hormone drug. This was a drug prescribed in the 50s uh, called DES. It's it's kind of crazy not that many people know about this, but basically, you know, they were using a very, very high dose of synthetic estrogen. And it turns out that it caused a lot of health issues in offspring. And wow. so my mom never had two periods in a row. She dealt with infertility. She had scoliosis. It's a kind of interesting how hormones can determine if you're going to have a birth defect. Like, uh, uh, like, you know, she even has bunions, which has been linked to hormones, which is crazy. Um, So yeah, the scoliosis and just a lifetime of health issues. And so just living through that was so interesting to me how, how these little like invisible messengers dictate how your body is in motion. And so after school, when I was working in finance, I was just working on a lot of wellness projects and became head of marketing at a cancer institute. And then there you realize how hormones, you know, the link with hormones and cancer. And and that's something you just like, it's startling that no one even talks about, I guess, because um, the first thing, you know, when you get like a breast cancer diagnosis, they will look up the pathology and see well, how are hormones changing this diagnosis? That's how powerful these things are. And that's on the extreme end, but on the, like, you know, on the, on the less extreme scale, we have, you know, hormones causing PCOS and fibroids. And so, you know, a lot of doctors don't see the value in measuring or testing or understanding hormones or kind of really understanding the truth behind what 
what's the best way to handle an imbalance? So that's kind of what I think that is that like every day I meet somebody who says, well, my doctor says I don't need to check my hormones every age, whether it's like 14 to, you know, 70. So why, where does that come in our medical culture that we don't need to check hormones and it's irrelevant information? Because I think it's almost criminal that we're not routinely at least once or twice a year looking at hormone levels and tracking my own daughter, you know, who's 14, you know, has PCOS tendencies like me, her mood goes completely unstable when she's having an androgen spike. How helpful would it have been for parents to know this before someone slapped on an anxiety or depression drug? You know what I mean? Like, why don't we hormones first? I think because um, they fluctuate so much when you're younger. So they're, they, I, I just heard that talking point where they're like, well, because they're, they're moving around so much, there's no point in getting that snapshot in time. But you know, what we've done with our patients and what, you know, customers do or clients do is they measure on day. I'm sure you know this, but they measure on day 20 Mm -hmm. to see if they're in a state of progesterone deficiency, just being that that hormone is so protective in the body and can be used as medicine, you know, very safely and effectively. But yeah, to answer your question, I think that is why, you know, I'm sure there's other reasons as they're just not, not as emphasized in med school. But I think it should be. I, I often think about what like a variation of med school would be that I would come up with. I, I sometimes daydream about that. I think that'd be so fascinating if doctors had a different kind of training. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, there are people that are dreaming up a new med school education for sure. Yeah, different so cool. from, from what most of us received because we got very little hormone training beyond like trying to get somebody pregnant, you know, trying to deliver a baby or like the extreme endocrine diagnoses, right? Diabetes, thyroid disease, this true extreme disease. That's all you are trained for. You're not trained for this in-between zone of where women shift to, how it impacts their mental health, their sexual health, you know, their brains and and so much more. So I, yeah, I'm game. You know, if you want to start one with me, let me know. Yeah, we have a pretty intensive like guidebook for our doctors, you know, on every level. Um, But yeah, when you consider that like, you know, honestly, 99% of diseases are correlated to thyroid, estrogen, prolactin, serotonin, cortisol. They all drive disease in some way or another, and they're, they're, they're not localized. They're, they're all over. Um, So to ignore them in any disease is, is, is quite crazy. Um, I was even just writing something on like autoimmune diseases and 80% of women are sufferers of autoimmune disease. And does anyone want to ask why it's women and not men? We're all living in the world together. We all have the same environment. And, you know, one of the main differences is, is kind of what's going on with our hormones. Yeah. Um, and that's just as clear as day. But, I, I you know, I, I don't know. You, you might know better than what, why it's ignored. <laughs> I, just, I think you're, you've already nailed it. It's training and it's, it's the pharmaceutical-based medical system, right? That if, I mean, like, really we're trained in that which lends to a prescription, right? It's a prescription-based uh, training is really the issue. Well, um, how did Moment get started? What is Moment? <laughs> yeah, what is- so, <laughs> so um, women can test their hormones from the comfort of their home. It's a blood prick on their finger. It doesn't yeah. hurt as all, but you know, some people get kind of nervous about the little clicker on their finger. I don't think it hurts, but so yeah, you can do that at home and you don't have to go into a lab. And, 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 and so it's very convenient. Um, and then you can just order the test yourself. You know, you, you don't have to wait for someone to send you a lab slip. Um, and so we get the results and we'll review it with you on a zoom call. And the basis of what we do is come up with a really thorough, innovative plan for your symptoms. So yeah. we're, you know, we're using all bioidentical hormones for, for the most part, but we're also including 
other kind of innovative substances. We do a lot of methylene blue, a lot of niacinamide, um, a lot of, you know, we even do peptides. And so our goal is really the most safe, effective solutions on the planet. And that's, I think, what we do best. You know, when you look at other places, they are going to consider antidepressants and birth control, which perhaps someone might find that to be their best use case. But as far as a risk assessment goes, in our in our opinion, there's just safer and effective substances to utilize. Yeah. Um, and so that's what we do. And, and we've had amazing results, like fibroids being shrunk, cysts being shrunk, people sending us emails being like, uh, this has worked amazingly well. I love that word. Like they said, amazing. They didn't say it worked, you know, they said amazing. And I, I it just makes me so happy. But yeah, that's that's the basic process. Um, and then continual, you know, follow-ups and monitoring. Um, and, and it's really a long-term wellness partner through the lens of are your hormones balanced? Because like I said, like most diseases, they do have this hormonal component that we can really investigate and solve for. So yeah, that's kind of how well, let's talk a little bit about hormones um, and sort of, let's break down hormone testing first. So you guys are doing blood prick. Yep. You know, there's Venus lab draws. You'll have some people argue, how can you get accurate information in a, in a blood prick? Then there's saliva, mm-hmm. there's urine. Can you break down the pros and cons of maybe some of these different types of hormone testing for folks listening today? Yeah. So yeah, we get asked this all the time. What we have found is that the blood prick is the most reliable. Um, Obviously we are using real substances. We use testosterone, we use estrogen, we use progesterone. So precision is a really big value for us. I think obviously as far as a, you know, customer experience, would we prefer saliva? Yes, perhaps because you don't have to get blood, but that's, I think that goes to show just how much we do value precision. And we've done a lot of lab samples and have honestly just found that to work better. Um, As far as, you know, saliva goes, saliva and urine, those are both secretions leaving the body. Mm -hmm. And so they may not be the best representation of what's going on inside the body because obviously a secretion can be different from what's inside. And then as far as urine goes, you know, I think there has been this emphasis on metabolism of estrogen, estrogen metabolism. And I by no means think it's useless to look at, but as far as a starting point and a diagnostic sort of of, of a baseline of what's going on, I think what we have found is that really understanding the hormones in the body first before we kind of dig into that. And perhaps that's peeling back the onion. Maybe that's the next step once we get to know you a little bit better. But that's kind of why. And I think about this a lot on whether the metabolism is even something that should be a goal because the literature is really mixed. And, and that's just quite honestly, like the literature, th- like this isn't set in stone on whether the metabolism dictates whether you'll get cancer or breast cancer or is a true factor in, on whether you're going to thrive or not. The emphasis on, you know, the six, 16 hydroxy is kind of like they want to switch it to optimal ratios. But again, that there's studies that show that the opposite ratio may be actually better. So I think this is like something that needs more research on for sure on the, on the urine side of things, besides the fact that it's just, you know, it, it is, it is a pretty big price ticket. Would I love to see that data? Yeah. I think it'd be, I could think it could be valuable with a, a blood test, but I think, you know, we're also considering um, this is a patient that may never have had their hormones checked. It may be sort of overwhelming. How much do we want to overdiagnose, overtreat? Uh, and w- we do want to stay, focus on someone's symptoms and improving their life without any fluff and without any sort of, you know, bells and whistles. We're really, I would say we're pretty focused on, you know, making the patient well and getting them relief as soon as possible through the safest ways possible. Yeah. So we'll do in at our practice, the center spring, we'll do 
all of it. We'll do the blood and the, you know, either saliva or urine to get kind of that yeah. 360 degree understanding of what's going on, but it is detailed. It yeah. is intensive. It is almost like, um, almost like a craft to a certain extent, like, cause we're really pulling away a lot of information and then trying to curate like these personal plans for everyone. So it's, it's very fulfilling work, but you know, for mass appeal, a little bit challenging, right? It's hard for everybody to, to first of all, grasp it, have access to it, and then even be able to implement it. So that is definitely something, you know, that, on all those three points. Yeah. yeah standing back and observing ourselves, just saying, Hey, I, I get it. Now, what are some of the most common hormonal issues that you guys are hearing from women? Again, this is a lot of what I do day in and day out, the curious outside of my world, kind of what people are saying. So give me a sense of that as well. Yeah, I would say there's tons to be this cascade of issues that there's not really just one um, like issue, although most people do seek out hormonal issues for menopause, like, um, you know, just hot flashes. Obviously, if something's super salient, like a fibroid, like PCOS, then that requires a pain point that someone really needs to search out solutions. But what we're really seeing is this big cascade of issues. It's brain fog, it's fatigue, it's weight gain, it's possibly mm-hmm. a, you know, a hormonal manifestation as a cyst or fibrosis or fibrocystic breasts. And so it's really this cascade of issues, which makes sense, right? That because hormones are acting all over you, you have such a high concentration of hormones in your brain. If that's if something's off balance and it's showing up in your breast, well, it's probably showing up in your brain as well, mm-hmm. or um, you know, in your energy levels. There's rarely, I rarely seen a chart where there are someone's like, I just have one issue. It's like a series of oh, things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that that makes sense when you think about where where how hormones are acting all over you. They're not, you know, localized to your to your ovary or anything. Yeah. What about um, I mean, would you agree with me that we're seeing an increase in like PCOS and PCOS, by the way, polycystic ovarian syndrome, fibroids, you know, what's, what do you, is there an environmental component to that, that you guys are picking up on, or is it the stress? Like, what's your sense of kind of what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think overall there, people are just even talking about it more like the PCOS and, and fibroids, but for sure. I mean, you know, we're having girls enter puberty younger and younger, possibly because of this environmental soup that we find ourselves in, whether it's xenoestrogens, plastic exposure, phytoestrogens, just improper diet can be yeah. one of the you know biggest factors. The diet, you know, it's just, it's hard to ignore because the confusion and the noise that let everyone just uh, like completely lost in what to eat is, you know, one of the biggest driving forces of all of this. Um, and yeah, and medications, birth control, you know, even, you know, antidepressants can very drastically alter your sex hormones. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's serious, but PCOS and fibroids, those happen more on, you know, in the reproductive years, whereas they they tend to be, I think, you know, a light goes on early on. What you experience in menopause is, is really an accumulation of how you lived your life. But these, these issues that happen when you're younger, those are little, you know, feedback loops that you need to, you need to make a change. You need to, you know, look into this. And so they shouldn't be ignored, but what's happening is people go to their doctor and they, they don't know, they don't know what to do. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, you know, pretty much birth control, maybe a few other interesting options, but as far as a comprehensive plan, you know, I think that's, that's not going to show up as much, but yeah, like something like fibroids and PCOS, those are very estrogen dependent diseases. There's actually never been a case in the literature found of a fibroid pre-pubescent 
which just goes to show how important these hormones are. Obviously, pre-puberty, you don't have an onset of hormones. Um, and so there's there's really never been a case found, which is fascinating. Um, and then, you know, PCOS is a little bit different than fibroids because the, the ovaries fluid filled rather than a fibroid, which is muscle and tissue. Um, and that just goes to show that estrogen may be playing a role because what estrogen does is it causes the cell to swell up with water and the, and the, and the cyst is fluid filled. And so there's a lot of parallels between what, what, you know, the actions of hormones and then what's going on with everything. I would say with both those two, it's hard to ignore thyroid with a fibroid. We do have a lot of success with, um, you know, actually addressing the thyroid before anything else, which is kind of interesting. And yeah, with PCOS, it's, it's always this blend. We put this like blame on the bystanders on all of these things. So we're putting the blame on testosterone. We're putting the blame on DHEA. If you look at my labs, honestly, Dr. Taz, like you would be like, wow, this girl's testosterone and DHEA is so high and it is really high, but I don't have any symptoms. I don't have any PCOS. And so that just goes to show that there are deeper issues that we need to acknowledge what we are. It's kind of like what we've done with so many health issues these days. We like blame cholesterol for what, you know, (laughs) canola oil did or whatever. And it's the same thing with PCOS. We're blaming testosterone and androgens for something that's like accumulation of cortisol, prolactin, thyroid, estrogen, low progesterone. I think all of it does back to cortisol though, because what what the studies are really finding and talking about is that uh, the cortisol levels have gotten consistently higher generation after generation. Mm -hmm. And that's why women are going into puberty, going into puberty earlier and earlier. And then, you know, we're stressed, right? We're more stress generation. So you combine the high cortisol stress, the right genetics. And I think that's sort of what lends itself to the high testosterone. How do you guys do it there? How, what is like your mechanism for reducing cortisol? Like what's kind of your thought process there? Just curious. So I always layer gut up, so to speak. So, you know, a big part of Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine is that the gut is ground zero. So a lot of it is starting with the gut, balancing the microbiome, cleaning up the liver, that whole conversation involves the right diet, sleep, you know, stress management, acupuncture, yoga, kind of getting people in that mindset. And then once you do that work, then moving on up to actually looking at what sort of hormone management you need to do, whether it's an androgen blocker, you know, or a progesterone supporter or things like that. And we'll choose from the world of herbs and supplements before we get into the hormonal world or into the medication world and kind of go from there. I think what's fascinating though, to me, as you have mentioned, is that PCOS, like many other hormonal diseases are also, you know, mental health issues. There are also autoimmune issues. They are also, you know, reproductive issues. I mean, there's so many layers to this. And so I think that I'm seeing a lot of young women come in with this triad of PCOS symptoms, anxiety and depression, maybe even an eating disorder, right? Mm-hmm. And then having, you know, some other third variable, whether it's the thyroid or estrogen or whatever else. So, you know, all of that to say that it's all very related and interconnected. And I don't yeah. think it's easy to give people a simple answer on some of this stuff because our environment is the way it is. Yeah. And because cortisol levels are higher than they have ever been before. So it's fascinating to me, but at the same time, like my healing story personally was going gluten-free, balancing my thyroid, going on a little tiny bit of progesterone. And that got me out of like the hair loss, you know, acne world that doesn't work for everybody. There are people that don't tolerate progesterone. So they actually need to do something differently. So again, it's trying to find that formula 
you know, that works for everybody and how we can focus on it and, you know, get everybody healthy. But I think the first step is know your hormones, you know, you know, understand where they are, check them a couple times a year, track them. Cause then let's fast forward. We're talking about young women, fast forward to, you know, women 50 plus when they're not feeling good and you're trying to optimize them from an anti-aging and wellness standpoint, and even a disease prevention standpoint, it's important to know what their normal was because your normal and my normal might be different, you know? So um, I think that information is really important as well, you know? Yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, hundred percent on the cortisol it, it's, and it's, it's kind of hard to, because a lot of that onus is on the patient, right? Like at some point you have to get real of the origin of what's causing this and, and, and kind of, you know, you can keep taking as many things as you want, but if, you know, if there's something going on in your own personal life, that's not something a doctor can solve for. And that takes a lot of internal work. Um, and that's not even something that, you know, uh, like the medical world is optimized to do. And so it's almost like, you know, this emotional journey that someone has to sort of figure out for themselves. And we all have different ways of doing that, but uh, cause we see a lot of patients with high cortisol and yeah. And it's one of the hardest things to deal with because, you know, if someone's dealing with infertility, the body's not going to want to produce a baby when the, when you are high stress in this high stress zone. And so how do you, how do you, you know, how do you give the gift of strength to a patient through, through, even through the screen? I know it's possible. My mom's a medical doctor and she does it. I've seen her do it, but you know, not everyone's lucky to see her. Um, and so yeah, I just, I, I think the cortisol thing is a puzzle, but we use a lot of great things. We use niacinamide, we do use progesterone, you know, even on the, like you said, dealing with the uh, food and the um, going out, even the basics of like going outside and all of that. But yeah, yeah. I always love looking at extremes. And so when you look at like Cushing syndrome, Cushing syndrome is just caused by high cortisol and sometimes by no one's fault, kind of it's caused by tumor or by injections, yeah. um, where they'll give too many cortisol shots and the results of the, I mean, it's, it's, it's cr- wild when you, if you look up the symptoms, um, it's fatty liver, it's weight gain, it's this moon face, um, it's, it's fat pads, but you see a lot of those symptoms do overlap with something like PCOS. So you can see that cortisol is definitely playing a role in terms of skin changes, delayed mm-hmm. wound healing, and, um, yeah, just basic weight gain and PCOS. Yeah. Um, so yeah, without a doubt cortisol is playing a role and it, and it seems to be the cherry on top for disease. It's exasperating everything. And that's why um, studies show, you know, with the breast cancer metastasis, a main driver is cortisol, which is, is, you know, really to be expected that that would be sort of this driving force in disease. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. wild. That argues for checking it, right? Like understanding where your cortisol levels are, yeah. knowing maybe proactively that, Hey, I'm in a high stress state you know, what can we do? Like, I think if we had these tools to educate us, you know, constantly, then we could correct behavior. And, you know, speaking of the emotional journey, I think what many people don't realize is, you know, there is a huge, I mean, Chinese medicine talks about this, your emotions live, you know, in your organs, for example, anger lives in the liver in Chinese medicine, the liver is responsible for hormone metabolism sits right on the breast meridian. You know, all of these things are very intricately connected. 
many times people are so deep in their personal journeys. Like I know I was right. Like ER doctor, night shifts, day shifts all over the place, you know, different goals, you know, you're so deep in your journey that you can't see what's driving the numbers. You, you're not, you don't have the emotional, I call it bandwidth for lack of a better term. You don't have the emotional bandwidth to sit back and evaluate, well, where am I today on the emotional spectrum, right? That's just not a priority. But what information will do and what your body will force you to do is to have that conversation so that you go on a journey and try to understand how you're reacting. So I think, you know, information and seeking of information is so important. I would tell everybody out there listening, you know, again, whether you're 13 or 14 or you're 70, like know this information because it educates you even when sometimes you're unaware and unsure of what's happening for sure. And, and the body's always talking to you and telling you the story. So true. Yeah. Huh? There's always feedback loops. I mean, the truest, you know, form of knowledge is your body's feedback loop because yeah. it's not, it doesn't lie. It's um, it's not susceptible to the loudspeaker of society or what some influencer on Instagram said, your, your feedback loop from your body is the most honest, innocent thing there is. And so, you know, sometimes we override the voices that we're supposed to listen to because, like you said, you really get you really get trapped in the cycle of whether it's what you're supposed to do or what you think you're supposed to do. But there is that voice inside you that's tugging you. All I think always, um, and so we we have to give ourselves permission to to tune out everything else so that we can value ourselves more than anyone. Because honestly, no providers going to care about you the way you do. And if you're living study to study and provider to provider, you know, it, like really it's, it's the quest for like truth and true knowledge that you have on your own. That's, that's really going to guide you to the answers. And, and, mm-hmm. and that's why, you know, um, every health challenge does take you to the next level in the most like amazing way. And so our challenges are truly meant for us. And, 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 and it's, it's, it's like about our interpretation of all these things, because like you said, you, like you went through this, you know, journey, but and yes, possibly things do stay with us in our breast. And, and actually they say the breast is, is truly the nest of unrest. And so when a woman goes through divorce, like things manifest in, totally, in totally. nest. Yeah. But what can change that is, is truly the interpretation of the events in our lives. Yeah. And so we don't have to carry things around, um, although they are with us in a lot of ways, but as long as we adjust our framework and our interpretation of these things, then we're sort of cut loose from from everything we've done. And that, but that's the journey, right? Yeah. Like that's the journey in itself. Like when these things happen for good or for bad, like how are we going to tell that story? How are we going to reframe that story? We can have a story of being a victim, of being hurt, of being angry, of not being able to forgive, or you can have a story of, okay, lesson learned, you know, I am ready to move forward. I'm ready to release, you know, this, or I'm ready to learn from it or whatever, whatever it is. But that is so true. The harboring, you know, for men, it's in the heart often for women, it's in the breast, but the harboring of these negative emotions is what leads down the road to disease and to all this other stuff. So firmly believe that, but anyhow, we went a long way from hormone testing, nice and simple conversations. And now we're deep in emotional world over here. We're in a therapy session with each other. Oh, goodness gracious. So Talk to me about what's next for a moment. And if folks are interested, how can they connect with you and all the other good stuff? Yeah. So you can, you know, sign up on momenthealth.co if you're going through any hormonal issue. We focus on um, bioidentical hormones, but also um, it's a definitely a 360 approach dealing with nutrition, 
and recommended reading and tools to improve your life. Um, and I like, I like you said, like, how do you become a superhero for your entire life? And it's just, there's just so many tangible things we can utilize in medicine and, and just wow. the lifestyle that makes you feel good for, for as long as possible. And that's our goal. So whether it's PCOS or fibroids, you know, they're all different manifestations of each other and different sort of imbalances in the body that we can optimize for, correct for. These things are very solvable. If there's like a metabolic component, if there's sort of a hormonal imbalance component, they are very solvable. Um, and so that's what we optimize for. So you can sign up on momenthealth.co or you can always just reach out if you have questions. Um, I'm always, you know, answering DMs or emails or calls um, if someone has more questions. I find women do want to walk through it first and kind of understand what they're signing up for. And yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It just kind of get like a, a read on everything, like what to expect. And so sometimes right. this, this, the interface on the screen doesn't do all the answers, although we, we try to. So yeah, <laughs> long way of saying momahealth.co. <laughs> I love it. Well, it's been delightful to get to know you and talk to you. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Superwoman Wellness. I really appreciate it. And for all of you listening today, you know that I've been ringing that hormone bell for quite a while. I hope this will motivate you to maybe get your hormones checked, not just for you, for your children, maybe even for your parents. It's all important. Actually, it's really important for men too. We didn't talk about men as much, but even for men, it plays a huge role in their mental health, their cardiovascular health, their overall sense of well-being. Um, so even for the men in your lives, really important to get hormones checked and stay on. Yeah, we do treat men, but uh, a lot of women will bring in their male part, like partners, which makes me feel good that we, they feel comfortable, you know, cause a lot of times women will make like, they'll make the decision and men will kind of sit back and just not do anything, but yeah. Of course, living that one. But anyhow, well, thank you all so much for watching and listening to this episode of Superwoman Wellness. Don't forget you can rate and review it and share it with your friends. If you send me a copy of your review to hello at drtaz.com, I'll send you a free bottle of boost. I will see you guys next time.